Hello everyone, welcome to my first podcast. In this podcast, I will be discussing the damaging role that objectification plays in the lives of women and girls. I remember when I was younger, that women's worth being based on how they looked made me very angry, and it still does. It's not that we don't want to look nice or take care of ourselves, but I think there is a difference between feeling confident in who you are and feeling objectified sexually. In the past few months, I have researched the pervasiveness of objectification. I often greatly dislike how women are portrayed in media, and I remember watching a TED talk that specifically addressed this issue using the images of women in advertisements. That TED talk was titled, The Dangerous Ways at Sea Women by Jean Kilborn. This was a particularly eye-opening talk for me. Some of her examples dated back to the 1960s, 34 years before I was born. So I appreciated her collecting these ads so I could see some of the history of objectification. She collected the advertisements that said things like, quote, feminine odors, everyone's problem, end quote. If your hair isn't beautiful, the rest hardly matters, also quoted. And honey, your antiperspirant just doesn't do it, quoted. And to top it all off, quote, I never, I'd probably never be married now if I hadn't lost 49 pounds, end quote. All these phrases are meant to attack women and make them feel like they have a problem that they have to fix. They range from highly inappropriate, like talking about feminine odor, to telling women something ridiculous like her hair is the most important aspect of her. These advertisements are offensive, sure, but they're nowhere near as vulgar as the next advertisement I'm going to mention. This ran this ad ran in year, in recent years, not 34 years ago, and unfortunately, I and my listeners, if you haven't seen already, will hear me describe it. I first learned about this infamous ad in a college class I took named Visual Culture and Rhetoric. The advertisement consists of a woman whose makeup and position is intentionally used to make her look like a sex doll, opening her mouth to eat a 7-inch sub with the huge caption, It'll blow your mind away. Sexual implications here are obvious and degrading, so I don't think I need to explain any more to you. These kinds of ads bother me because they present women in such ridiculous ways that they can't be taken seriously. In an article titled, The Selling the Self, Women and Feminine Seduction Advertisement, Advertising, from Christian Blair, for example, in 1991, also a few years before I was born, a 60-minute special had Andy Rooney pleading with the viewers to stand up against sexual harassment in the workplace and for women to be treated with the same respect as men. Sounds good. While reading a New York Times magazine littered with advertisements objecting women and sexualizing women. You can see the obvious irony here. We can't change mentalities if who we're being told to think, uh, or how we're being told to think about women, sorry about that, as objects from advertisements all around us. Honestly, I wish I could have seen that special when it first aired, you know, before the internet was a big thing. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. To get to the point these images are not empowering, they are the opposite. There is another TED Talk I would like to mention that also made some excellent points regarding this issue, and I'm excited to share it with you. This TED Talk was titled The Sexy Live by Carolyn Heldman. I was also excited to find another TED Talk that sort of dealt with that same issue from the first TED Talk, so I really liked that they kind of connected, and I was glad I found that in my research. I also think it's quite a catchy title, if I do say so myself. What is a sexy lie, you might ask? Well, Heldon is more than willing to tell us. 
She defines sexual, sexual objectification as the process of repressing or treating a person like a sex object, one that serves another's sexual pleasure. That sounds about right to me. I found this particularly interesting. She mentioned that in the 60s and 70s, there was more of an understanding and worry surrounding sexual objectification of women and girls. Okay, that was very interesting to me because, of course, most of us here um, grew up in the digital age where we have, I assume, I'm sure they're probably older listeners as well, where we have access to all kinds of content, um, which would make me think logically that you would be more concerned about um, media consumption now, but I guess then it was more on the radar. I don't know, maybe other things have taken uh, precedence, but anyway, but yeah, I I still think it would be more more of a concern now than ever, but however, she says that the conversation has gotten quieter in recent years than louder. This talk was uploaded in 2013, seven years ago, it's hard to believe for me at least, and at that time in the past 10, in the past 10 years, there had been a noticeable rise of the use of sexual objectification in, quote, television, movies, video games, music videos, and magazines, which I find very interesting. She states that this rise is, unsurprisingly, kind of like mentioned just a moment ago, that it's tied to our modern technology. For example, she used a slide that explained in 1971, a person saw about 500 ads per day, but in 2011, that rose to 5,000 ads per day. That is a lot. Children are also connected to media for about eight hours per day. And because the market is so saturated, 5,000 ads per day. I just thought I'd mention that again. I feel like I don't see that many, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have to pay attention and count each ad, I see. Uh, marketers use hyper-sexualized, hyper-violent content to grab their attention. Makes sense. Not that it's good, but logically that makes sense. Speaking of logic... Heldman breaks down logically why being an object is not empowering. She explains in what was a definitely an aha moment for me when I first watched this, that subjects do the acting and objects are acted on. So logically, you're not empowered if you are the object. And I remember she just like talked about how even if you're the best object, you know, that you can be, you're still not empowering yourself because you're making yourself something that is acted on. Um, and then she um, relates this to how men are told that they're sexual beings who can act upon the objectified woman and that being a sexual object is where they find their worth, which is troubling to be told that your worth is found in how well you objectify yourself. Again, not good. In another article titled Women as Sex Objects and Victims in Print Advertisements uh, by Julie M. Stankiewicz, sorry, I don't think I pronounced that correctly, and Francine Rosselli, there's another way in which men's and women's facial expressions and bodies are used in advertisements. They're used to create a deliberate message about sexual power in relation to men and women. The way these men and women are portrayed take, af- take after pornography of a violent nature. So this outward admits that these advertisements are inspired by pornography and are pornographic in nature, which is also troubling to me. In contrast to this, in the last few decades, there's been a shift in advertisements that show women in roles in the professional world and in places of business, which is good. But along with this also came more advertisements that portrayed women with less sexual power than men and as things of desire for men. 
So it's not like this issue of sexual objectification has gone away, even though there have been some things to combat it. Disturbing to me is that from 1958 and 1970 to 1983, pictures that showed women as merely sexually decorative rose to 60%. Uh, This is obvious again, but that's more than half. That's crazy to me. Also, there was a rise between 1979 and 1991 of advertisements that featured bodies of women through nudity or with immodest clothing. In another article titled In Beauty and the Beast, Images of Women Advertisements by Esther H. Kondrara. Probably didn't pronounce that right either. I'm very sorry for butchering people's names here. My name gets butchered a lot, so I understand. <laughs> women in advertisements are portrayed as passive and allowing others to direct them. These people who often do the initiating are men. Conventional beauty is top priority, and the women's perceived flaws are moved like acne and wrinkles. Women feel that they must meet these standards to be loved or desired, which is very sad to me. A concerning survey from the Wall Street Journal found that girls as young as fourth grade. Okay, this greatly upset me the first time I read it, and upsets me again to read it to you, um, listeners. In four schools in the Chicago area thought that they were overweight and were dieting. This is also painful for me because I began to worry if I was fat at about five years old, which is very, even younger than fourth grade. Not quite sure it triggered it, but it could have been my own issues, could have been, you know, stuff I saw. I don't, I don't really know at five years old, but, you know, still not okay. All right, back to the fourth grade girls. Over half of the fourth grade girls were dieting, and three quarters of the girls believed they were overweight. The girls did this because they felt girls would be, felt girls would accept boys however they looked, but, quote, boys expect girls to be perfect and beautiful and skinny, end quote. This quote is very painful. I don't know if the boys actually felt that way or if they, you know, felt the boys felt that way. But either way, it it makes me angry and upset. I also find this quote fitting that ties into that feeling from the article Don't Hate Me or the, um, the essay. Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful, an essay by Gerard Ogro in R. Roy F. Ed Fox's Images, eye, language, media, and mind. And the quote reads as this. Beauty is a special instance of the way images can promote despair. Yeah, when I, when I read about fourth graders dieting, that brings me a lot of despair. I'm sure they feel a lot of despair as well, which is very sad to me. Yeah, young girls shouldn't even be worried about stuff like that. Oh, man. Perfected images don't have to create despair, but only if those images allow the viewer to obtain what the image is promoting. If the perfected images feel like something unreachable, which I think it's safe to see that those girls felt that they were, there's a disconnect between the viewer and the image. Pursuing perfected images don't make you feel more beautiful. They make you feel the opposite. Instead, you feel, quote, less powerful, more shamed, and less appreciated by men, the supposed audience for this beauty. This quote, this is, quote, social entrapment, and it happens when girls are young and is what Butler Yeats calls, quote, burdensome beauty. Burdensome beauty. Burdensome beauty. There we go. <laughs> Not kidding. That That's for sure. I feel burdened just talking about it to you here. In the article titled Real Women on Beauty, Self-Discrepancy, Internalization of the Thin Ideal, and Perceptions of Attractiveness and Thinness, 
and Dove's Campaign for Real Beauty, it's a mouthful, uh, by Kimberly Bissell and Amy Rask. These images aren't harmless. Um, to make this point clear, in a study done involving female university students, it was found that when they were presented with these perfected images, they felt more anxious about the way they looked and felt a rise in shame and felt shame uh, towards their own bodies. I remember myself when I was younger, even um, even they, even though I was actually very thin, not even thinking I was thin enough, for example, and always wanting to be as thin as of women on TV. Um, I do remember this, which is pretty crazy. Um, not that it matters if I was skinny or not, but I for sure was, but I never felt skinny enough, so I can relate to this. Um, for sure felt that shame. What's interesting about this study was the fact that advertisements themselves didn't matter if they were connected to the body or not. The women still felt large amounts of shame and anxiety because they were focused on what the models looked like, not the products. So I found that super interesting that, like, you can be advertising something um, that's not related to the body, but because, like, the way the advertisement is set up, you're still going to focus on on the body. Um, which is pretty damaging. I have, here I have some facts about uh, real women versus models, body types. Real women, unsurprisingly, don't look like models. The typical American woman is 5'4 and weighs 140 pounds. On the other hand, a typical model is 5'11 and weighs 117 pounds. That's quite a difference. The Deaf Campaign for Real Beauty aimed to use typically sized women rather than models, which I think is great. It received mixed reception though, which I'm still not entirely sure why this was controversial. Anyway, this campaign used models with all different features, ages, races, and didn't fit them into a predetermined size or shape. Again, I think this is great. There's not one look for women. Some people, including myself, thought this campaign had a positive effect and allowed real women to see themselves eating their products. However, some thought the message still said that women needed Dove's products to be attractive, which, if I'm going to be honest, kind of sounds like a reach. I just feel like that's kind of just wanted to be upset about something. I, I think, from my understanding and what I remember of this campaign, I think it's still going on, but um, is that it was just to make women feel comfortable in their bodies. Not saying you have to um, buy Dove products, but that's just me. Anyway. We're getting to the end here. One last thing I want to talk about is how the objectification doesn't only affect women, it also affects men as well. In the article titled The Beauty Myth and Female Consumers, The Controversial Role of Advertising by Deborah Lynn Stevens, Ronald Paul Hill, and Cynthia Hansen, just as many men say that they don't like some part of their body. However, in reference to body weight, it's still more of a concern for women and girls rather than boys and men. To further this, women who have an average weight see themselves as too big, at least about one-half to three-quarters of women. In contrast, only one-quarter of men who are healthy weight think that they weigh too much. So, you know, still more of an issue for women, but I thought it would be important to mention men as well. Unsurprisingly, what leads to this almost religious obsession with weight for women is related to advertising and editorials, which backs up what I've been talking about this whole time. What feeds into these obsessions is our culture's obsession with how much people weigh, stereotypes linked to, the, link, linked to those who happen to be overweight, stereotypes like overweight people are 
are less popular or less smart or able to put themselves out there in comparison to those who are thinner. Which, you know, if you're taught that, I can see why you would believe that over time. So Americans were taught being fat equals these things, and there is a result, and it's a result of laziness that someone brings on themselves. This article I'm talking about mentions that children spend about four or five hours each day in front of a TV, allowing them to see images of the thin ideal equal in beauty, which again reminds me of how I felt about myself as a young girl. Girls are also taught that their bodies are mostly for enticing others, while boys are taught that their bodies are for ruling over their environment around them. Which, also, why would you teach a girl that? Like, a child? Anyway. (laughs) Even during cartoons on Sunday morning, advertisements focused on ways they can make themselves look better are aimed at young girls. Why? These ideals of need to be thin, to be found pretty, make it even more difficult when a girl starts to go through puberty. I think I'll end the podcast with this quote from Friedman. Quote, the size, contour, smell, and texture of an adult woman contradict the soft, sweet, childish aspects of feminine beauty standardized standards emphasized in the media. End quote. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something and can use this information to combat harmful objectification of women in real life.